Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Y'all doing all right? Yeah, it's good to be in the house of God this morning, yeah? So, li- listen, I got to be honest with you. While I am uh, happy to be back in the South this morning, I really hope you guys enjoyed uh, the past few weeks as much as I have. Um, man, I, you know, it's pretty rare that I get to sit back like I did the past, I don't know, five weeks and, and just, uh, you know, sit and listen. So I thought it was fantastic. Um, just let me kind of throw this out there for y'all. Uh, if by any chance you missed the past five weeks, which would be Pastor Tommy, uh, Britt preached two messages, Dusty and Ann, uh, Josiah, I would highly encourage you uh, to go check out those podcasts, yeah? Because uh, I believe Jesus was talking to us. Amen. So um, I, this morning, have... Uh, uh, probably more to say than I have time, so we're going to hop to it. And uh, if you can't, just kind of buckle up because uh, uh, we're going to the feeding trough this morning. So anyways, let's pray and we'll get rolling. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. God, I believe that you want to talk to us. And so, Lord, we just open up our hearts, we open up our minds, and we ask, God, that you would fill it with you. So, Lord, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your voice. And, uh, Lord, help us to be able to walk out of this place today with new perspective, new purpose, and uh, new priorities in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, as many of you guys know, at the beginning of the year, we uh, spent a significant amount of time focusing on uh, the importance of eliminating hurry or eliminating busyness from our lives uh, so that we could enjoy the intentional life that Jesus has called us to live. Now, just to kind of bring us back to center this morning, uh, this intentional life we talked about so much is really characterized by a new rhythm of life that uh, really allows us to live live in such a way that our lives are compatible to the way that Jesus wants us to live. And just kind of get the ball rolling. Uh, This new rhythm is easily seen because it allows you and allows me to do a handful of things. And that's this. It allows us to actually have quality time with God. How many of y'all know that's important? Yes, obviously when you have quality time with God, it produces an intimate growing relationship with Him. It's kind of why we're here. Second thing it does, it helps us be fully present with our family. Our family is a gift from God. Amen? So listen, the next thing is, is when we actually uh, do what God's saying here, it allows us to be completely healthy. And once again, that's spiritually, mentally, uh, emotionally, and physically. The next thing it allows us to do is it allows us to enjoy uh, biblical community. And I will say even this, the biblical community that God has placed us in, which is here, the Anchor Church. It's where we have the opportunity uh, to come to a place, not only to feel safe, but to be authentic, to be vulnerable, to be encouraged, to be challenged, and ultimately to be transformed by Him. The next thing it allows us to do, it allows us to be good steward of the things that God has trusted to us. And I'll say the last thing is this, it allows us to actually rest. How many of y'all know we need some rest sometimes? Yes. So it's there when we rest. It's not about being lazy, but it's simply about being refreshed and refilled in God's presence, being filled with his peace, his creativity, and his wisdom, and so on. Now, listen, if I could uh, maybe take all those things that God's wanting to do in the new rhythm uh, of our lives, if I could take one verse and just kind of pinpoint it on there, it would be Amos 3.3. I love this verse a lot. It says this, as can two walk together unless they are agreed. That's what we're talking about today is where our life 
and the life that God wants us to live are actually in agreement. Yes, in other words, that they're not in conflict. Uh, there's no disagreement in any of those areas. We are running with him. How many of you guys know that should be our goal? Amen. All right, so listen, let's turn the corner here. As I've thought about all of that over the past two months or so, I've come to the realization that if you and I are ever going to have a chance to do what's up on that board, if we're ever going to live the way that Jesus wants us to live, then it will require you and I to get a proper handle on one significant piece of our life. And it's called this. It's called our time. More specifically, here's what I mean by that statement. Just kind of walk with me here for a minute. For the past few months, I have... Uh, been evaluating my own life, and, uh, and I, by doing that, I've not only been, you know, uh, praying and reading my Bible, but I've also been reading books, listening to podcasts, uh, talking to others who seem to be in a, in a similar season that I am in, and maybe most importantly, here's what I've been doing. I've been observing other people's lives around this topic we are going to talk about today. Uh, if you know me, you know I'm the kind of person I like to watch, right? And, and so, listen, in doing this, uh, I've come to this conclusion that the main difference between those, please don't miss this, you're going to miss a lot today, that the main difference between those who are living a, we'll say, a, a purposeful, a healthy, an impactful, and a fully engaged life, and those who are living a scattered, unhealthy, we could even say overwhelmed, exhausted, low impact, and disengaged life, it's not this. It's not that one group is smarter. It's not that one group is more gifted. It's not that one group is more creative or more educated or has more money or has better social skills or has more biblical knowledge. And even this, it doesn't even mean that one group loves God more. Nor does it mean this. It has nothing to do with the amount of responsibilities that each group carries. And it has nothing to do with the amount of difficulties and challenges they face. And it doesn't have to do with the amount of opportunities that they have to choose from that come their way. Listen, it has nothing to do with the number of people wanting their attention. I hope you're listening. It has nothing to do with what type of job they have or what size their family is or, the, or this, the stage of life they're in or even the amount of time that is available to them because we all get 24 hours, right? In other words, what I'm trying to say, it's not, the difference is not about all those excuses that you and I like to give, and I can give them. Can I get an Amen. Listen, from my perspective, the overwhelming difference between the two groups, the one that's impactful, high impact, and the one that's low impact, is simply this. Is that one group has effectively and intentionally steward, manages, what? They've learned to manage their time well while the other one doesn't. It's really that simple. If you're with me, so yeah. You see, from those um, who know how to steward their time well, we'll just keep pointing over here for a moment, right? It, it appears like they not only have more traction with more forward movement in their life, but they also, at least in my observation, seem to have happier families. They're more at peace. They have a deeper connection with God. And overall, I would say that those people tend to be more settled, more content, and, and genuinely enjoy their lives, right? Whereas those other people who don't steward their time well, it seems like their lives resemble a hamster wheel, right? Please hear this. Where's there, where there's loads of action, loads of busyness, right? Loads of doing and going, right? Lots of distraction, but what it does is it lacks clear direction and it lacks forward movement, which ultimately leads to what? Frustrated families, a lack of peace, and a lack of uh, consistency in their connection with God, 
Overall, I would say, once again, from my observation, it seems like these people aren't completely settled. They're what? They're not really content. They're a bit numb. They're perpetually tired. And they resent certain pieces of their life. Isn't it amazing, guys, how we can actually want to escape the life that we've worked so hard to build? Come on, don't run from me today. Listen, in my opinion, once again, the outcome is simply this, is how they steward their life. Listen, and the fact is, is how those two groups steward their lives couldn't be any more different. Truthfully, it's quite sobering and staggering. Yeah? Now, listen, this might sound like a bit of exaggeration, but it is, uh, but it is almost like the difference between the two groups that Jesus mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to read a portion of Scripture to you. It's Matthew 7, verse 24, 28. You probably never heard it in this context, nor have I. In fact, I'm going to be, go ahead and say this to you. It seems like a really odd portion of Scripture to read in this moment. At least that's what I told Jesus. Okay? But I, but I feel like I'm supposed to read it today, so we're going to read it. Amen? So it says this in Matthew 7. Once again, we're talking about these two groups, right? High impact, low impact, content, discontent, right? Happy not so happy with their lives. Here we go. It says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings. Told you it was odd. But here's why I feel like I'm supposed to read this morning. So that you and I could actually remember the stark difference of what an individual's life could look like when it comes down to how well they do or don't, they do or don't, follow the teachings and the life principles that Jesus gave us. Which, if we realize or not, please don't miss this, also includes how well we steward our time. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. Listen, if by chance there's anybody sitting here today and you're thinking in your head that God's not interested in how you manage your time, or you actually think that God never taught about time management, I just simply want to ask you to consider a few verses. He said this. He said, seek first his kingdom. He said, when you pray, he also said, when you fast. He said, go into all the world. He said, serve and encourage one another. He said, you should, what? Use your God-given gifts to benefit others. He also said, be hospitable. He said, have fellowship with one another. He said, to honor your father and mother. He said, to love your spouse. It's really in there. I saw it myself. He said this. He said, raise your kids to follow him. Let me say it again. He said, raise your kids to follow him. He said, he has created you for good works. He also said, he who doesn't work doesn't eat. Maybe I should say that one again too. He said, he who doesn't work doesn't eat. Now, how many of you guys know that all of that, all of that that's on that list, listen, it not only requires our obedience, but it also requires our ability and our discipline to manage our time accordingly if we are actually going to do all those things well. If you don't believe me, try to not give your spouse any time. Right? Ignore your children. Ignore the body of Christ. Right? Don't use your gifts. Tell me every single bit of that takes this four-letter word called 
time. Can I get an amen? amen. So listen, again, I want to say in a hearty yes, uh, this, that yes, God is into time management. He is, right? And listen, and I think how well we obey his timeless teachings and his timeless principles that we find all throughout the word will ultimately determine if our lives resemble, once again, a house built on an unmovable rock, steady, right, solid, consistent, or one that's what? That's unsteady and undependable. Uh, because why? Because it's built on sand that's always shifting. Yes? All right, so listen, with that said, another thing I've noticed over the past few days is when it comes to those two groups is this, is how different they view three words in particular. Three words in particular. We're going to unpack these three words today, and I hope Jesus talks to you like he's talking to me. Number one is this, is perspective. Number two is purpose. And number three is priorities. I would hate for somebody to have to take notes. Perspective, purpose, priorities. Listen, to be more specific, what I believe that that first group has a handle on that so many of us other folks, including myself, uh, don't is this, is that they understand these things, that perspective fuels purpose, that purpose defines priorities, and that priorities determine the value of their time. Do y'all realize that, that time is more valuable than money? People all the time say time is money. No, no, listen, you can always get more money. You can't get more time. Time is the most valuable commodity that you and I have. So listen, if I can make that a bit more personal, I'll say it this way, that if you and I realize it or not, our perspective, right, our perspective fuels our purpose. Our purpose, once again, defines our priorities. And lastly, our priorities ultimately determine how we spend our time. Okay. All right. With all that said, let's, uh, let's talk about the first one. Y'all good? Number one, perspective. So I believe when it comes to this subject, our understanding of all of this must begin with us having a biblical view or biblical perspective of this word called time. So let's unpack this by start reading uh, where it began, Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Listen, from that verse, it's pretty simple. We all understand that the eternal God, who has no beginning and no end, created time. And he gave it as a gift to you and me. Right? That literally, when he distinguished between light, and when he distinguished between light and darkness, it marked the beginning of time. Now, here's what I want us to see here, and this is so simple. We're just laying foundation. But reason would say that if there's a beginning of time, then there must be a What? An end to time, right? And to that point, the Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, and the Apostle John tells us in Revelation chapter 22, that when Jesus Christ returns to rule and to reign forever, that time as you and I know it will cease to exist, right? So there's a beginning and there is an end. Now, in the Greek language, the time period from beginning to end is known as this. It's known as chronos, 
It's known as chronos. And chronos simply means this. This is important for us. It actually means a measurement of time. It means a measurement of time. See, chronos is measured by years, days, minutes, and even seconds. And, and I'll just say this, that biblical scholars say that we are currently about 6,000 years into chronos. Chronos is what I want to say as an Alabama boy. Chronos, chronos, right? But it's, yeah. All right, here we go. Lord, help me. All right. So listen, the main thing I want to grab here is this. It, it is from this measurement of time that most of us give all of our attention to. Right, that we typically think about having a 24-hour day. We define our work week by the number of hours we work in a week. If you're in school here, you go to school from 8 to 3 o'clock, Monday through Friday, right? We tend to say, I wish I had more what? Time, right? And listen, we ask questions like, how much time is left in the game? What time is lunch? What time does the restaurant close? And so on. In other words, we work within the confines of what we can count and what we can calculate. Now, it's important for us to know that there's nothing wrong with that because the Bible tells us this. Actually, it's very important for us to do that because it says this in Psalm 39. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time, my chronos, 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 right, on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered or measured and how fleeting and how short my life is. Can I shoot straight with y'all? I don't think we do that well. Like, we don't live with eternity in mind. We're, we're so now-oriented, we don't number it well, right? Yes, Psalm 90 says this, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So in other words, if you actually look at your life like that, then it might be wisdom. So listen, I think as we can see, it's important for us to realize that you and I don't have, once again, an unlimited amount of time at our disposal. In fact, the average lifespan, I looked it up myself, for an American is this, is 78.79 years. I don't know where they get that point 79 from, but it sounded fancy. 78.79 years, which means this, that if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime, guess what, guys? We're going to die at some point. Right? And biblically, we know that after our physical death, after that quote-unquote measurement of time is up, we will all stand before God and give an account of every single motive, of every single word, and every single action of our lives. Come on, wave your hand at me if you know that's sobering. Yes, it is. So listen, I, I would say, yeah, it might be important for us to be conscious of our years, our days, our minutes, and maybe even our seconds in our life. Amen? All right, but here's where I want to get to. Is there something deeper at work concerning us when it comes to all of this? In other words, if you can look at it, you go, here's God, right? From eternity's past to eternity's future, right? And you see the beginning of this time to this end of time that they say we're somewhere in 6,000 years. Is there something deeper than we just go, okay, there's plop right there, our 70 to 80 years, is there something deeper at work? I, I want you to know that the answer is, oh, yeah. Absolutely, right? And that's where the second Greek word for time comes into play, which is this. It's kairos. It's kairos. And it means this. And this is where we got to be in tune with Jesus and sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our lives. It means this. It means an appointed time, an opportune moment, a season, a limited period of time. Time. In short, if you want to define it in one word, kairos is this. It's an opportunity. 
It's an opportunity. In other words, we only have a brief opportunity. I'm going to bring it to your front door, to your home. We only have a brief opportunity for us that got kids in this room to shepherd and train up our kids while they are still young and they're still living under our roof. That's, that's literally, that's, that is a kairos moment, right? We only have a short window of time to accept a new job before it's no longer available, right? There's only a limited period of time to comfort a friend who is walking through a difficult time. And I've been saying this, and I think many of us in this room know what we're talking about here, but, but basically this, how many times have we watched God supernaturally open up someone's heart so that we can basically do this, that, that he opens up their heart and this thing that's described as an appointed time so we can share our faith with them or pray with them or just have this God-ordained moment. Yeah? Like many, many times I've seen Jesus do that in my life, right? And, and so listen, as we can see, this thing called kairos is less about a quantity of time that can be measured and it's more about the quality of the opportunity, quality of the season that Jesus wants us to step into. How many of y'all know that you've missed some moments in your life? Yeah. Yeah, like I can wiggle every toe at you on that one. Right? Which means this, and I want you to miss this. It means this when we look at, once again, uh, the, the chronos and the kairos. It means this, that within the confines of our short 78 chronos years on this planet, our life is full of these kairos, God-ordained opportunities and moments that are divinely connected, what? To his eternal plan for all of creation. You understand that you have a significant part to play if you realize it or not, right? All right, so what's the point I'm getting at? It's this, is if that you and I, if we're ever going to have a proper perspective, we got to understand this, that, that God wants us to have, right? If we're ever going to have the proper perspective that God wants us to have when it comes to living an intentional life, then it require us to make a mental shift when it comes to how you and I view time, right? It's not, well, I'm in church for an hour and a half today. No, 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 no. What, what, what's the Kairos moment for you today, right? So listen, so instead of us looking at, at, at chronos time, measured time on this planet that, that solely uh, is, is nothing more like grains of sand slipping through an hourglass. Listen, I think we need to view our lives through the lens of kairos opportunities. Once again, that God is opening and closing throughout the course of our lives. If you're with me, say yeah. So listen, a little extra thought here. I'm not sure why I'm supposed to share this with you, but I think it's important, okay? And don't blow this off, please. But, but instead of us viewing our time as seconds, like ticking on, right, uh, basically on a, on a watch hand, right? Uh, I think we need to realize that not every second of our day holds the same value in God's eyes. I'll let that sink in there for a moment. That not every second of our day holds the same value in God's eyes. Stay with me here. Take, for example, uh, the 30 minutes that it took you to get ready this morning will never hold as much weight as 30 minutes that you spent on your knees praying, seeking Jesus, and praying for Ukraine or whatever. Right? To, to understand that, listen, that the 10 minutes that we spend responding to an email will never hold the same value that the 10 minutes that we stop our lives and we actually share our faith with someone. That, per, that 10 minutes can change someone's life for eternity and not just check something off someone else's to-do list. Right, to understand that the five minutes that we spend scrolling through our Instagram feed, right, will never hold the same value that when we actually took the time to encourage and to speak life over one of our children. They don't hold the same weight with God. 
right? Therefore, listen, I think it's imperative that we are not only sensitive, once again, to the Holy Spirit's leading, but that we also have the courage to take, the, take literally the step into the Kairos moments that God gives us. Are y'all with me today? What I'm trying to get us to see is, listen, that Jesus is moving in your life more than you realize. And he's trying to partner with you in things more than you realize. But if you're so caught up on that thing right there, or that thing back there, then you're going to miss it. Yeah? Listen, because of all these things, the Apostle Paul urges us to do this. And it's why I titled the message what we did. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. It says, be very careful then how you live. Y'all get that? Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. To me, that means there's a, a wise way to use our time, and there's an unwise way to use our time. Right? And he goes on to say this. He says, making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the kairos, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. I think we can all agree on that last part. Man, the days we're living in are evil. Therefore, there should be an urgency inside of us that we make the most of every opportunity, that we redeem the time, that we actually, in essence, buy it back. Right? And I could spend 30 minutes on that, but we don't have time. Here we go. So, listen, can somebody just simply say this? Say, my perspective. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say, my perspective fuels my purpose. Number two, purpose. Listen, I think, and please grab a hold of what I'm about to say. I hope this blows some of your minds. Simple, but I hope you grab a hold of it. Listen, I think if there is any place, if there's ever been a place that we as Christians sell ourselves short and do God a huge disservice, it is in our God-given purpose. How does that happen? It happens when we do this. As believers, when we think we are supposed to separate our lives into a bunch of fragmented pieces... In other words, we compartmental our lives like this. We say this, okay, that's my home life where we have our spouse, where we have our kids. That's where I eat. That's where I watch TV. That, that's where I just do that piece of my life, right? And then we say, okay, over here, that's where uh, I go to work. That's where I spend all those hours that I really don't want to be at, right? But the only reason I go is because that's where I can make some money. And because those kids over there like to eat, I need to make some money. Can I get a well? All right, so then we go, okay, over here, well, this is where we have our hobbies. If, God forbid, we ever actually have time to stop working and we can actually do something fun, this is where my hobbies are at. So I go there and I kind of get refreshed, have fun, and I hang out with my buddies, right? And, and then we do this. We go, oh, yeah, but there's, this, there's these other compartments like this. There, there's that, you know, it's kind of like our natural life, and over here's our spiritual life, right? Like, this is where we go to church, Right? Like we go over there on Sundays, we, we fellowship a little bit over there, and we, and we worship when Pastor Tommy leads us in a song, and that's where we kind of learn, Pastor Quinn kind of fusses at us, and, and that's where we learn the Bible, right? And then we go, but, and over here, well, that's where I do good things for Jesus, I go serve somebody, sometimes I go help in the children's department, God help them, right? And, 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 and so then I go, okay, but, and then over here, this is my devotion life where I go and I pray a little bit, and I read my Bible a little bit, right? And, and this is where I try to hear from God, right? In, in short, what I'm trying to say is this, is so many of us, we are successful, we have successfully compartmentalized our life into two major categories, secular and sacred. 
Right? But I'm here to tell you this morning that from God's perspective, the moment that you believed in him, it all became sacred. Amen? That he didn't just redeem our Sunday mornings. He didn't just redeem Wednesday nights. If you come on Wednesday nights and he didn't just redeem those little moments that you have your devotions, he redeemed it all. Man, wish somebody get with me this morning. He redeemed it all. Amen? Which means this. It means if you can just hear this for a moment, that there's not a single part there or there. Once again, he redeemed it all. It is all sacred, right? And to understand that there's not a single part of our lives that's not wrapped in divine purpose, right? So listen, if I can put it to you this way, when we got born again, we got snatched out of the kingdom of darkness, we got put in the kingdom of life. How many of you guys know, or light, how many of you guys know that we don't bounce in and out of the kingdom of light? Oh, it's Sunday, we're in. It's Monday, oh God, we're at work, we're out of it. No, 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 no. It's all sacred because we live in and we live from the kingdom of light. Amen? Amen. Listen, that's why Paul can say this in Colossians 3. He says, and whatever you do in word and deed. Get that. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Does that mean on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock? Yes. Right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he also said, also said this. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do at home, at work, with your hobbies, right? Praying and worshiping, all of that. Do it all for the glory of God. Listen, Paul said this amazing thing in Romans 12, when he said this. He said, brothers, in view of God's mercies, in other words, everything that he did for us that was laid out from uh, Romans 1 to Romans 11, he said, because of all of that, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, for this is your spiritual act of worship. This and this is your spiritual act of worship. What am I trying to say? Am I saying that the way, we try, uh, the way we treat our spouse, that the way we raise our children, that the way we work every day, that our hobbies that we do, that the way we tip and treat that waitress, am I trying to tell you that all of those things are a form of worship? A thousand times, yes. So listen, so instead of us trying to go, where's my purpose, where's my purpose, where's my purpose? Wake up. It's right in front of you. It is right in front of you, right? And, and so I just think this. It's like when we don't see every part of our lives as an act of worship, we will live our lives to escape reality nonstop. That's why we spend a stupid amount of hours looking at a phone or watching the TV screen. We're trying to escape. Why? Because we haven't located our purpose. So we try to escape it all. Can I say something? I don't know why. I feel the urge. I'm going to say it. Our kids would probably get on our nerves a whole lot less if we would see, it, see them as part of our purpose and not an interruption. Amen? So listen, I just think to avoid this trap, we need to understand that Jesus never saved us to be fragmented people. Right? He saved us, to be, he saved us and called us to be whole and holy. Therefore, there isn't a single area of our lives. Yes, I'm saying it again that doesn't have the ability to honor him. Good preaching. Amen? Listen, that means this, is that, that when we take on the posture or the perspective that every area of our lives is an act of worship, it would not only make it a lot easier to find our purpose, but it will also help us identify the kairos moments and kairos opportunities that the Bible says uh, in Ephesians 2 that God's already prepared before us. Amen?
All right, so with all that in mind, I want to I do one more thing. Remember, our perspective fills our purpose. I want to take one more step in a real specific direction. Hang with me. We won't be here forever. Okay? Listen to what Paul wrote to the believers in the church of Ephesus. He said this, possibly one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, verse 10. It says this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then he says this. This is, this is the jam. It says, for we are his workmanship, created, born again in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared when? Beforehand, that we should walk in them, that we should conduct, that we should take the opportunity is what it actually means, in them. But if you can, just so we can all gather up here, somebody say good works. So listen, according to the Apostle Paul, uh, right here in, in Ephesians 2, we aren't saved by our good works, but we are certainly saved for good works. Amen? Now listen, I don't know what you think when you hear those words, uh, good works, uh, but there's a lot of people who, have, uh, who basically think inclusively that those two words, good works, means doing churchy stuff. Just churchy stuff. And I want you to know that's not what Paul was talking about, right? That he didn't say, okay, that it's greeting at the door, it's working with the kids, it's singing on the team. Being back. It's not, he wasn't talking about all that. Now, does it include all that? Yes, but it wasn't solely that, right? And, so, and said this, rather the, the word work here simply means this. It means task. Watch this middle word, employment. Help me, Jesus. Employment. Business. Right? So, so listen, he said, he said, if I can just add, this is freebie on here. He, he said this. He said it was a good work. I feel like I need to pause there to help somebody. There's a lot of y'all in this room don't feel like what you do every day is a good work. In fact, let me just say this. I may be getting ahead of myself. It's okay. But I just feel urged right now. If some of y'all think y'all got a thankless job, I want you to know Jesus is grateful. He's grateful for what you do, right? Well, I'm just, I just do this. No, 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 I don't care what you do. If you're in his will, he's grateful. Amen? So listen, he said this. He said it's a good work. The word good actually means honorable, excellent, distinguished, upright. What am I getting at here? It's this, is whether or not, let me say it this way, if we... If we are being obedient like myself, y'all stay with me. I'm sorry I'm jumbling this up. Whether we, if we are being obedient like myself by working within the four walls of a church or if we're being obedient like most of you in this room by working outside of the four walls of this church, I want you to understand today that both are equally the purpose of God for our lives. If I can say it this way, I'm no greater in the purpose of God than you are. Can y'all believe that? Like, some of y'all need to believe that. Listen, so, listen, while my assignment might be, you know, to be the lead pastor of this church, and yours may be, I don't know, to work in the school system, maybe in the medical field, uh, or maybe you're a tradesman, a fisherman, whatever, or maybe you're currently a stay-at-home mom. Once again, listen, Jesus is not only in it, but he calls it good, and he calls it honorable, and he says thanks. Right? So, listen, in addition to all this, I just think this, is that when you actually... Be- could finish out reading that verse in uh, Ephesians 2.10. talks about him preparing things beforehand. Basically what God is saying is this, is that when we go about doing our daily tasks, we don't have to manufacture 
the miracles. He says that there's good works that he prepared beforehand. We don't have to go and try to strive and squeeze it out, guys. Do you understand that he has already prepared those kairos opportunities in advance for us? So listen, as crazy as thought this might be, y'all watch this. Please don't miss this. How about instead of us working for the weekend? Let it linger intentionally. <laughs> How about instead of us working for the weekend or buying our time till we can retire or thinking we're only there to receive a check or only there until a better opportunity comes along? How about instead of doing that, let's choose to see God's fingerprints and God's ordained purpose in our everyday task. Listen, I believe that if we can do that, we'll find ourselves running into the miraculous more often than we'd like to think we would, right? And not away from our purpose. Do y'all understand? Let me say that because it probably needs to be said that when we live in such a way that we actually, uh, you know, basically live for the weekend, that tells me that we're actually living to escape our purpose. But I've been doing this for 25 years then that means you should be great at it. Not dreading it every day, right? So I just think this, in just case there's anybody here wondering, you know, how can you connect to a greater purpose in God? Like, yeah, we got that on the wall back there. We're trying to help you discover your purpose. So here's your discover purpose moment of today. Here's how you get a greater connection to the purpose of God for your life. Wake up, roll up your sleeves, and go to work. And you'll find your purpose. If y'all believe, like I believe, that Jesus is directing our lives, then we don't have to keep wondering where it's at. I'm trying to help you today. The reason I'm saying is because there's that stat that bugs the crap out of me that there's only that 87% of the church doesn't know their purpose. And I don't think 87% of the church doesn't know their purpose. I think 87% of the church doesn't value what they do every day that God has given to them as their purpose. So we need to value what we do. Amen? So listen, with that in mind, I want you to listen to this quote, and, and I'll try to hustle up here. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say he lived or here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. So whatever you do, man, what would, heaven, what would we do if heaven stopped and said, man, they teach school really well. Man, when they go into those rooms and, and treat those people that are their patients, they do really well. Come on, somebody. Man, getting fired up more than you here. All right, so listen. Listen, why do we want to do that? Because we do it all for the glory of God. Listen, guys, I don't need to believe this for you more than you believe it for yourself. Once again, somebody say this. Say, my purpose. Oh, y'all got to help me today. Y'all got to hear what kind of church I'm from, all right? <laughs> y'all got to say, my purpose defines, defines my priorities. Is that true about your life? Let's talk here for a minute. Everybody say grace. grace. I'm going to need that, okay? Because I'm going to get what y'all might think is salty here, okay? I'm just going to get honest. I, well, I, I, I watered it down this morning for our own safety, okay? 
Number three, priorities. Priorities simply defined as this, is what is regarded as more important. Man, have you identified or have you defined what is more important in your life? Listen, I'm going to shoot straight with you. Uh, When you have a right perspective of time and when you know your purpose, you won't struggle to define your priorities. Let me backtrack that real quick. If you have a hard time figuring out your priorities, it's probably because you don't realize your purpose and you don't have the right perspective of the time God's given you. Preach it, preacher. All right, here we go. Why? Because, listen, when you know your perspective, when you know purpose, priorities are really crystal clear. But, But here's what I want to get at. If you're like most people in this room, uh, what you may struggle with is maybe not as defining your purpose, but probably what you uh, struggle with is this, is actually completing your priorities. To be more specific, you struggle with completing your tasks that push your priorities and your purpose. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, let me see if I make this more simple. Anybody here ever do a to-do list? Anybody ever get done at the end of the day and be like, dang, I didn't do any of that? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. So, so I'll say it this way. Is, is there anyone here besides me who seems to have your priorities constantly hijacked? Listen, I think it'd be really easy at this moment to hop on and say, hey, that's because we, we, you know, we have a great ability to procrastinate or, man, we get so distracted by YouTube and our phones and Instagram and blah, 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 blah. But I want to get straight to the chase this morning. This is where we're going to need grace. Okay? While all of those things are real issues, in my experience, the number one thing that hijacks our priorities are other people. Don't get, don't get quiet on me here, all right? Because we're going to talk about you and me today, okay? Listen, in his new book, I had some things I wanted to say, and I thought it was safer if I let this guy say it instead of me saying it. This is the part I changed. All right, here we go. There's this book I've been reading. It's called At Your Best by Kerry Newhoff, and he said this. Watch this. He said, it's easy to blame everyone and everything else for my lack of productivity. I didn't get it all done, right? But these days, I remind myself that everyone who calls, texts, knocks on my door, and asks me for things is just doing what every human being does. They're trying to move his or her priorities onto my agenda. That's just the way life works. Nobody will ever ask you to accomplish your top priorities. They will only ask you to accomplish theirs. Think about it. Every text, every email, every random phone call, every knock on your door, every meeting you get invited to, every request you get puts other people's priorities on your calendar. Your friend is looking for advice. Your coworker has a question. Your neighbor needs help moving a desk up the stairs. And your toddler knows, a, uh, knows how to throw or throws a temper tantrum, right? None of this is on your to-do list. Y'all get that? 100% of the work day or day off can be used up helping other people accomplish their priorities while yours sit unattended. Somebody say hijacked. Listen, here's something I am personally learning. If you and I don't want to continually live a life that's constantly getting hijacked by other people's priorities, uh, then we're going to have to learn how to say that dreadful two-letter word, no. I'm trying to help us today. Listen, if we, if we can't get here's the body, we will not be emotionally healthy. This will not be a healthy community. I hope you understand what I'm saying. 
Listen, I I don't know about you, but I personally really, really, really struggle telling people that two-letter word. Like, anybody else other than me? I know some of y'all are hardcore. Y'all are like, no, right? But, but, because you've told me that. All right, here we go. So, I can't tell you, but you can tell me. We'll work on that, I guess, in heaven. All right, here we go. So, come on. So, raise your hand real quick if you're like, man, I struggle with telling people no. All right, now I know who to ask people things from. I'm kidding. All right, so listen, I don't know personally if it's, uh, you know, like, man, I can, I can be pretty rough and crusty. Like, I just can. I, I kind of got that nature. Um, li- listen, but um, I, I still, in the middle of all of that, I still really love and value people. So I'm not so sure if that's why I struggle saying no. Or, or if it's because just by nature I'm more uh, relationship-oriented than task-oriented, so I enjoy talking with people, so it's easier to say yes, right? Or, or if I don't know if there's this thing in the back of my head, and I don't know if this is, if I've made this up and I've told myself this, or if it's realistic, I don't know, but, but, but that expectation that, that pastors can never say no, right? Like, if you loved God, you would say yes, Right, and, and but I, but I think all in all, the reason I struggle to say no personally—I don't know about you, but me—is this: is because I really hate disappointing people. L- like for me, if I know if I know that I've let someone down, man, it kills me inside. Like it eat, it it eats it eats at me. Right. So listen, more often than not, when I when I know that I that I don't have time, someone comes along and asks. Hey, you got five minutes. How many of y'all know five minutes is never five minutes? They just lied, <laughs> right? They lied. So listen, but, but even those moments, man, I revert to my default setting and I say, yes. And I put on that fake smile, right? Anyways, listen, even though, man, I say yes, even though I know that when I said yes to them, it means I'm going to have to work a whole lot longer than I originally planned, Right, and I know. Guess what? I'm not going to get that project finished that needs to get done. The 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 deadline's going to be pushed. Right, that that I'm going to have to put off someone or something to later. That I'm going to have to uh, what? It's going to take away from my sermon prep time. It's going to squeeze God out of my schedule. It's going to squeeze into what happens more often than not. Truly, my family time. Right. So so listen. But yet I foolishly continue to say yes. Again and again and again and again. Am I the only one in here? So once again, I said this weeks back, but, but, but I'm trying to get through this sixth goal that by saying yes to all these people's requests means I'm saying no to the things that matter the most. Right? And, and so I just think this, if I can maybe make a point out of this, it's simply this, is that when, with all that said... Here's what I'm learning, and here's what I'm wanting you to learn, is that if we want to not only accomplish our priorities, but if we want to be fresh, and if we want to be in tune enough when the Kairos moments come, because how many of you guys know part of the reason why we miss the Cairo moments from God is because we're too daggum tired to realize it, right? So, so, so if I want to be fresh, right, and I want to actually have time to respond to Kairos moments, then I got to be willing to disappoint some people. You should see your faces. 
But listen, listen, we have to learn how to be willing to disappoint people. And I know that's not easy to hear. I promise you it's not easy to say. Uh, but the reality is it is impossible to be all things to all people like we're talking about right here. So, so listen, this may come as a surprise. We're going to land this thing. But listen, even, even Jesus himself gave permission, gave himself permission to say yes and to no to other people. In short, I'll say it this way, and I know we don't think like this in the church, right? But Jesus disappointed people, y'all. Y'all like, that's false doctrine, Betty. <laughs> <clears throat> I promise you it's not. Watch this, Luke 4. It says, after leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home where he found Simon's mother-in-law. We're talking about Peter here. His mother-in-law was very sick with a high fever. Please help her. Please heal her. Everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. So listen, we can see that right there that Jesus said what? He said yes, right? It says, and she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. It says, no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God. It says, But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. So we see right there with all that group of people, Jesus said yes. Now watch this, verse 42. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. He prayed. It says, The crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. Hey, Jesus, you got five minutes. Verse 43, but he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel along, around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. What am I saying? In other words, Jesus just told all those people, no. He told them no. Listen, and we would be foolish to think that he didn't disappoint people by doing so. Right? So here's the question, though, because what we're, what we're not trying to do today is this, is give us permission to be jerks and to give us permission to be people that don't know how to serve others. That's not what we're talking about, okay? Because we're still supposed to do all those things. But when you look at the life of Jesus, you go, man, like what allowed him to say yes to those first two groups and what allowed him to say no to the other group? It was simply because this, because his purpose determined his priorities. See, the, he had a purpose that he came to preach around the region. And he knows if he got stuck in one spot, he would not fulfill his purpose. Right? Right? So I just think this. It's like, man, that he realized. Y'all do realize. Y'all do realize that Jesus operated in time as well. That he had basically measured time he had to work with, 33 and a half years. He had a point in time where he was going to die on the cross, right? But in all those moments, if it was him walking through a crowd, someone grabbing the hem of his garment, Kairos moment. He had them too, right? And if you notice, Jesus still stopped and ministered. He didn't say, get off me, i got to hurry, get to this guy's house. No, he ministered, right? So I just think this, if you look at the heart, and please grab a hold of this, is that Jesus was more interested in obeying the Father than pleasing men. It's a whole lot easier to hear Jesus when you know what your purpose is. Let me say it how I really want to say it right now, how I feel like I need to say it. 
If you hate your job, it's going to be really hard to hear Jesus in your job. If you love your job and you're grateful for your job and you realize it's God's purpose for you to be there, he'll probably talk to you about what's happening there. He, listen, um, quit trying to be Jonah in that place. I don't know who that's for, but quit trying to run away from your Nineveh. Jesus has you there on purpose, and he knows how long he has you. Not in the notes. All right? Listen to this, Galatians 1.10. Liz said this last week, so good, we need to say it again. It says, am I now trying to win the approval of people or of God? Jesus, please stay. How many of you guys know when somebody asks for five minutes, so they ask for your advice, it, it can be gratifying to your ego. They think, I'm, I got something to say. Well, you may not be the best person to say it. That's what I'm learning. Pastor Tommy communicates a whole lot better than me. His office is right over there. See, see y- y'all laughing, but I sat at my kitchen table about a month ago ready to weep because I was so stressed out. And I was saying, Jesus, how am I going to do all this? And he said one word, delegate freedom. He gave me permission because I felt like I had to carry it all. We got great people around here that are really qualified and really anointed. Why not let them help carry the load? Amen? Amen. Am I now trying to win the approval of people or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I'm trying to finish everybody's priorities, I'll never fulfill the purpose that God has for my life. Listen to this last quote. Mark Batterson said this, and this is a whammy. He said, are we living for the applause of people or the applause of nail-scarred hands? Yeah, Jesus. I want the second, amen? All right, can you stand to your feet? Don't run out the room, just stand to your feet. Can you just close your eyes real quick, please? So, earlier I made a statement, and I just want to take a second, reverse engineer it. I want you to think about something in our three points there, right? Perspective, purpose, priorities. Let's backtrack that. Let's realize that how we spend our time reveals our priorities. Do you realize that? If you're wasting loads of your time, then you probably don't realize what the priorities are of your life. Let me say the next one. Our priorities reveal what we believe to be our perceived purpose. So if your priorities are pretty meaningless, if they don't really matter in eternity, you probably don't know your purpose. You haven't recognized it. And the last one, and please don't miss this, and our purpose reveals the perspective of what we believe to be true about God and His creation. So I want to ask you today, real simple question, what does your time say about you? What does your time say about you? If I want to learn who you are and about your life and what's important to you, all I have to do is look at your calendar. And the second thing would be your bank statement. So let me ask you these questions and we'll be done. Just curious, do you enjoy the life that you so carefully built? Or do you resent it in some way? 
Is there anything that God is maybe wanting you to say yes to that you've been saying no to? Is there anything that God wants you to say no to that you've been saying yes to? I'm sure there's something in there. So let me say this to you today with all eyes closed. I'm going to kind of set everything I just said to the side for a moment. Just feel prompted here. The greatest thing that you could stop saying no to and start saying yes to is Jesus. So real quick today, it's all about really this, is that we're his. That we love him and we want to honor him with our lives. And it's hard to do that when you don't know him. Or you've never been what we call saved. You've never accepted the blood of Jesus. You've never accepted the resurrection of Jesus. Never accepted him as the Lord and Savior of your life. And all I want to say real quick is it doesn't really matter where you've been. doesn't really matter what you've done. You haven't disqualified yourself from that grace and that love and that forgiveness. So today, is there anyone in here, real quick, not going to embarrass you, that would say, man, I need to say yes to Jesus. I've said no for a while, but I need to start saying yes. If that's you, would you just lift your hand, please? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, lift it high, please. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome. Just want to give that opportunity. Last thing, is there anybody in here that simply says this, man, there's some things I need to start saying no to so I can start saying yes to more of Jesus. Lift your hand, please. Yeah, that's about all of us. So Jesus, we thank you today that you're the God that saves us and God that you save us to do good works. And Lord, today we're simply asking that you would help us to quit being so distracted with meaningless things and that you would help us to run in the direction that you've called us to. So Father, today would you, I guess, just help us have a perspective of our life in greater measures and would you help us to quit making, um, I guess, excuses and downplaying what our purpose really is in you. Help us to see it for what you see it as. And Lord, we simply ask you would help us to define our priorities. God, so we can serve you and love you and others better. And Lord, if we're one of those people that lifted our hands on that first question and said, we got to get right with you. Jesus, we just simply say, would you forgive us of our sins? Would you forgive us of our sins? God, would you please remove the gap that stands between us and you? We simply come and we give you our hearts, we give you our lives. Lord, help us to serve you with everything we have. God, we say today that we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus because we know it's life. So, Lord, thank you for life today, life from heaven. So, Lord, I simply just ask for every person in this room that you'd bless them in a real way and that you would change our hearts and change the way we view our lives in a way that only you can. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.